Um, as uh, as y'all are getting seated, we're going to be in Mark chapter 9, 14 to 29 in just, just a few minutes. If you want to start turning there, uh, if, if you've got your Bible or need a Bible, grab one. And uh, But I, one thing I want to point out to you, you're going to hear more about this. We'll unpack this more. Um, Google later on or at a slow point in the sermon, um, the Verses Project. The Verses Project. Um, some of the songs that we've started to sing around here, the band has been pulling from... Um, these, all these Christian bands um, have been pulling together and these, these verses that come from the fighter verses, if you're familiar with that, from Desiring God um, Ministries, they've been putting them to music. Now, some of those were already put to music, but I think they were written about uh, a musical style like 300 years ago, so we got something modern. Uh, but check this out. It's really, really good music, but what's great is it's scripture, and now I've got about 33 of them that I put into my phone and into the Apple TV to where we can just play it, and I just told Danielle the other day, let's just play it and play it and play it to where our family and our kids and what I need is just to hear the word over and over to where we just start singing the word of God, and it's memorized very easily. How many of y'all, you're already familiar with what I'm talking about, the Versus Project? Okay, all right. We'll dig in, jump into it. Uh, great, great resource for you. Um, okay, Mark nine fourteen to 29. Let's read it and then unpack it. When they came to the disciples, they saw a great crowd around them and the scribes arguing with them. And immediately all the crowd, when they saw him, were greatly amazed and ran up to him and greeted him. And he asked them, what are you arguing about with them? And someone from the crowd answered, Teacher, I brought my son to you, for he has a spirit that makes him mute. Whenever it seizes him, it throws him down, and he foams and grinds his teeth and becomes rigid. So I asked your disciples to cast it out, and they were not able. And he answered them, O faithless generation, how long am I to be with you? How long am I to bear with you? Bring him to me. And they brought the boy to him. And when the spirit saw him, immediately convulsed the boy, He fell on the ground and rolled about, foaming at the mouth. Jesus asked his father, How long has this been happening to him? And he said, From childhood. And it has been cast, and it has often cast him into fire and into water to destroy him. But if you do anything, if you can do anything, have compassion on us and help us. And Jesus said to him, If you can, all things are possible for one who believes. Immediately the father of the child cried out and said, I believe, help my unbelief. And when Jesus saw that a crowd came running together, he rebuked the unclean spirit, saying to it, You mute and deaf spirit, I command you, come out of him and never enter him again. And after crying out and convulsing him terribly, it came out, and the boy was like a corpse. So that most of them said, He's dead. But Jesus took him by the hand and lifted him up, and he arose. And when he entered the house, his disciples asked him privately, Why could we not cast it out? And he said to them, This kind cannot be driven out by anything but prayer. Now guys, first of all, um, we we don't live on the mountaintop. For those of y'all who were here last week, uh, the, the story right before it is the transfiguration of Jesus. And it was a time when Peter, James, and John were brought up to this mountain. Um, and while they were there, that they saw, they saw Elijah show up. Um, and uh, they saw Moses show up. And then all of a sudden, Jesus, he was 
transfigured. He, the, he, was, he transformed, that there was a glory that came about him and through him during this time. And then God the Father ended up speaking in the middle. That was very, very powerful. And we talked last week about how we need to be, we need to be Christians that we are daily saying, God, I want to see your glory. Look at Exodus 33. Moses asked that. And we should ask that every day. God, show me your glory. Um, and so daily we ask for that. But we also need to know that there are times in our lives when God just does something incredibly powerful that He's not going to revisit or do again. There's just these little spikes that we have, these mountaintop experiences that take place between us and God. It could be alone. It could be with other people, but these mountaintop experiences, okay? So, what we have here is where we have the guys, they're up there, and we're not sure if Jesus sent Peter, James, John down first, and he stayed up there, or they're all coming down together. But what we do see is that, that after having a taste of heaven, they came back down to the hell that was on earth. While they were on the mountain, trouble was stirring in the valley. And that's life. We would like to live our lives always on the mountain because, you know what, man, there was no other problems. There was no sin. There was no, there was no frustrations up there. Uh, there were no time challenges up there. There wasn't a pesky neighbor up there. There wasn't a failed test up there. Things, it was just perfect. And we would like that. It was a taste of heaven. But as we get into this, no... God doesn't have us live on the mountain. Now the good thing is, is Jesus doesn't stay on the mountain and send us down. God comes back down with us into the valley. All right. So as we start out, that's for somebody in here. There may be one or two in here. Because the big thing in here we're going to get to is this whole faith thing. If I believe, help my unbelief. Incredible prayer. But somebody in here, you need to know your ideals about, man, if I could just get my life to where it looks like heaven. And I could just be with Jesus and don't have all these problems. You need to know that is not God's plan for your life. It was not God's plan for Jesus. God loves the broken people in the broken world. So we must have these wonderful times and spikes. But with Jesus, come down off the mountain. So let's pray. Um, God, thank you for your word. It's been declared over us. We've been singing it already, Lord looking upon it, meditating on it. Um, God, we pray, Jesus, speak powerfully into us right now through Your Word, Father. Um, I, I offer myself up to You. I know I'm imperfect, God, as, as a vessel, as a pipe for this to flow through, as I give my thoughts and my application. God, they're going to hear from my heart and my thoughts, Lord Jesus. Um, I pray, Holy Spirit, that it's right on, but I know it's not always, and so I just pray, Lord, do Your work within the men, the women, the students that are here right now listening to this or anybody who's listening to this in the future, do your work speaking through your word. Don't just give us more data, but transform us. In Jesus' name, amen. All right, let's go back to uh, verse 14. When they came to the disciples, they saw a great crowd around them and... The scribes arguing with them. So it looks like it was Jesus, Peter, James, John, and then they go down to the other nine, and they're around this crowd of people, and certainly there's these scribes, uh, these attorneys of a sword, these people who are, who are masters of the law, not, not uh, the law of the land, but the law of God. These, these, uh, these religious men, 
and they're in an argument that takes place. Um, and uh, so here they come. And immediately, verse 15, immediately all the crowd, when they saw him, were greatly amazed and ran up to him and greeted him. Um, the, uh, the, the wording in Greek in here, uh, it's, it's pointing out that, man, they were so magnetized to Jesus. And, and it's not quite sure if it was surprise that they had, but it was certainly amazement when they saw him. It's, it's possible that when he came down, that it was kind of like a Moses thing. When Moses came down off the mountain after spending days, uh, with weeks with, with God, and his, and his uh, face was shining. These guys had just seen transfiguration. They had seen him shining. It's possible that's it. You don't have to read that into the text. But something about Jesus was magnetic to these folks. And they came up and, and they, they greeted him. And, and, and what this is really saying is like whatever kind of the colloquial greeting was of just, hey, come, come here. And, and, and like for us, we come and we will shake, shake hands. Um, some of the ancient Near East people, that they'd come together and they would clap. You know, that would, that's, that's how they'd greet one another. Others, they would throw their fingers together. It's kind of weird, but it's like, you know, they'd do this, something like this. It's like, oh, all right, Jesus is here, right? All right, everybody, you want to try that? Turn the person and say, woo, glad you're here, all right? Um, you're now ancient, ancient Near Eastern a little bit more, okay? But they greeted him. They were excited to see him. Please don't overlook that. Please don't overlook that. Jesus when he got around broken people, they loved, they loved to see him. They loved to get around him. All right? Do you know who hated him? The religious hypocrites. All right? Guys, that should, that should speak into our lives. Because you know what happens a lot of times in Christianity? Is all the religious hypocrites, if they love you and the broken people can't stand you, man, there's something that stinks about my faith and your faith. When that's the case. Because that's not how Jesus lived. They're amazed. Now see, we... I'm just an average Joe, honestly. You know, as a, as a pastor, as a Christian, I'm an average Joe. We're an average church, but we have an apex Savior. As people come, we gather. It's not about us. It's about Jesus. And that should give you actually a lot of peace. Because we are average people. There's nothing wrong with being an average Joe. What's wrong is when we think I'm much lower than, than I should be, or when we think we're much higher. The, whoever you are, just know that Jesus is the hero. And point to Him. Let Him be the one that people are amazed at. Verse 16 says, He asked them, what are you arguing about with them? Um, it doesn't distinguish exactly who he's asking this to. He could have been asking this to the crowd. Hey, what are you arguing about with them? He could have been asking this to the scribes. Hey, what are you arguing about with the disciples? He could have been asking this to the disciples. Hey, what are you arguing about with the scribes? More than likely, he was talking to his, his own disciples. What are you arguing about with these guys? Um, I would imagine this is probably a pretty regular question that Jesus had. When, uh, when he would come up and his disciples were in the middle of a temple court or in the middle of a marketplace and they're dealing with, dealing with the scribes, the Pharisees, the Sadducees, other Jewish leaders, um, is to be able to say, come walk back up, up, up into it and say, okay, what's the debate about today, guys? You know, what's going on? Um, what is, what's up now? 
Who's against you? Uh, there's, an, there's an old saying that said, if there's no one criticizing you, you're not standing for anything. If no one is criticizing you, if no one is pushing back against you, you don't stand for anything. What do we stand for? Are we standing? And I, don't, I don't mean that we need to be a people that we have to go pick fights. That's not, that's not what we're, we're saying. But our, our lives should be something to where there's at least a type of a polarization of people in our lives. And hopefully it's toward the side of the weak, the oppressed, the poor, the needy are drawn to us and the religious types that, that focus on their own faith and how good, how good they are that they're repelled by us. It's not always the case in, in my life, but maybe God, praying God will continue to change changes. Um, verse 17 through 18, And someone from the crowd answered, Teacher, I brought my son to you, for he has a spirit that makes him mute. And whenever it seizes him, it throws him down, and he foams and grinds his teeth and becomes rigid. So I asked your disciples to cast it out, and they were not able. Alright, so, so this guy answers them. And he, it, it, I don't know whether the disciples said anything or not, but at least at some point, this dude stands up, kind of parts the crowd, and just say, Hey, Jesus, I was headed for you. I didn't make it to you, but I made it to your disciples. And I asked them, I told them about what's going on with my son and how this has been going on a long time. And they thought they were going to be able to help me. They couldn't. They couldn't do it. And so it sounds like the disciples stopped the man. And if that's the case then there probably was one or two motivations that was going on there. One would have been one of, of power and of arrogance that would have been, no, you cannot get to Jesus. I'll take care of it for you. All right, We're going to stop you from coming. And, and we find out later on, I mean, Jesus, Jesus had, to, uh, he had to rebuke His disciples because they were keeping kids from getting close to Him. See, Jesus always wanted people to get close to Him. Um, I didn't mean to get tired, and there weren't times in which he needed to pull away. But Jesus wanted to be close to the people. And so that's a possibility. We're not sure. Another possibility could have been humbly. That they may have been saying, you know what, we'll be glad to, to help you. You know, uh, there's a proverb that says, better is, better is a, a neighbor nearby than a brother far away. That's, I'm paraphrasing. Um, and so it's kind of a thing like, well, Jesus, Jesus is on, on the mountain. We're not sure when he's going to come. Let, let us help you right now. So it could have been humble, humble that they did it, but regardless, they had a fail that took place here. Let's look further. 19 to 20. He answered them, O faithless generation, how long am I to be with you? How long am I to bear, to bear with you? Bring him to me. And they brought the boy to him. And when the Spirit saw him, Immediately it convulsed the boy, and it fell on the ground and rolled about, foaming at the mouth. Um, this is uh, the last demonic exorcism that, that Mark records in here. Um, it was a real demon, and you need to know very clearly that, I mean, it sounds like epilepsy. Did anybody else think that? It's like, man, okay, that sounds like epilepsy going on, all right? You need to know this. Not all seizures not all health issues, not all strange behavior is, is because of demons. You need to know that. All right? 
Not every time somebody has epilepsy does it mean that they have got a demon, all right? Every, not every time somebody kind of goes off, you know, and they, they lose emotional control, is it a demon, all right? Don't be in the camp that thinks every time that happens, Satan's around the corner. At the same time, not all seizures, not all seizures and health issues and strange behavior are not demonic either. There was a demon that was that was a, a part of this, and it was a part of of what would seize him, throw him down. Uh, it would it was a part of putting putting this horrible health issue into into this uh, child into his body. Um, now Jesus, he goes into uh, in, into a, um, a questioning and to make some commentary here. So he says, "O faithless generation, how long am I to be with you? How long am I to bear with you?" Um, let's unpack that just a little bit, because first of all, he says, "How long am I to be with you?" That that you was a plural. All right? He wasn't directed this to just one person. He was saying this to, to at least two people, but I'd say he's saying this to all. all right? um, it sounds like it's a rebuke. Um, it sounds like he's just saying, look, oh my goodness, how long, how long am I going to have to put up with this? How long are you going to be so stupid? You know, How long are you going to fail? That's what it sounds like. Um, now, and I'll come back to this in a minute. I do believe that there's disappointments in here, but I don't believe that it was a rebuke like that. Um, because what is, what is his answer? And, and, and really, in this whole story, what you're going to find out is it was not the faith. The faith of the disciples did not heal this, this boy. The faith of the Father did not heal this boy. Jesus healed the boy. Okay? This is huge. It's very important for you to recognize that, that it wasn't any of those, it wasn't any of those things that happened. It was Jesus that came to the rescue. Alright? And so that's the reason I don't believe it's a rebuke is, is I, I believe that in one way Jesus is just saying, I mean, I think the, the human side of him, just there's a disappointment that that just to say, man, wow, okay, how long is it going to take? For them to get this. But I think the core of it is that, yeah, it, it, there's a frustration there, but Jesus to be able to say, but this is why I came. I came for this reason. How long am, how long am I going to have be, to be with you? Forever. How long am I going to bear with you? Forever. That is the answer that you have in this story and all the way to the cross and everything past it is God has basically said, how long am I have to deal with you and bear with you? I will forever. Now, we're going to unpack this more just as we talk about us as failures, as we fail. Not mean failure with a capital F, but that's who you are, but just as we fail to know that is why Jesus came. Jesus bridges the gap. He's the one who's successful for us. Um, I mean, certainly Matthew twenty-eight twenty, um, and it says, "Behold, I'm with you always to the end of the age." Hebrews thirteen five says, "I will never leave you 
nor forsake you. Always. How long will I have to bear? Somebody say always. How long am I have to be with you? Somebody say always. Guys, that is the gospel. That is the greatest news of all that God is with us even when we're not with Him. When we're a faithful generation. Now, I'm not personally a generation. I'm just a faithless man at times. How long is He going to bear with this faithless man? Always. How long is He going to be with this faithless man? Somebody tell me. Thank you. I'm encouraged by that. You're preaching the gospel to me. Because I'm faithless too much of the time. My, like, like he says, and, I, and, and I, don't, I don't mean an absolute vacuum or a void of faith, but as this guy shows, and he shows this is really the, what the Christian life is, at, is like, he ends up saying in a little while, he says, I believe, help my unbelief. That is the tension we live in. It's like, you know what, I, I believe and I've got some faith, but man, I've also got a lot of portions of my life that I just failed at faith. And Jesus says, I'm going to be with you always. I will bridge the gap. The part, I will meet you at your little mustard seed faith. Huh. Just takes mustard seed. Just takes a little bit. That's the gospel. Verse 21 to 23. Jesus asked his father, how long has this been happening to him? He said from childhood. And it's and it has often cast him into fire and into water to destroy him. But if you can do anything, have compassion on us and help us. And Jesus said to him, if you can, all things are possible for those for the one who believes. Um, for those of you all who are your students, uh, college, um, or maybe single, you're not, not married yet, um, or even married and don't have kids yet, you can put yourself as the child that it's happened where mom and dad, they've, they've watched over you. That there were times in, in your life when, man, they just they couldn't do anything to get rid of the fever. They couldn't do anything for the pain because you just, you just broke something. They couldn't do anything to take it away. That they would have done anything, all right? Those of y'all who are already parents, you've, you've endured this. It could be something that happened... It was an instantaneous thing. It could be a lifelong challenge that you that your child has, and you just think, God, man, God, I would do anything to trade with them. I'd do anything to take it upon myself, so that they don't have to endure endure this. You you know what I mean? Well, this is the heart of this father. He's saying, Look, from from childhood, from being small, this child has had a demon. Now, guys. I, I just got to be honest with you. I, I don't have a whole lot more commentary on that other than that's incredibly disturbing to think that that's the reality of this broken world and what takes place. Now, you know, certainly if you guys are parents, there's, there's been times when the rebelliousness comes out and say, that's got to be a demon, you know? And, and I'm not saying that. I'm not, I'm not saying you look, look for the demon in your kid. But there, there are... Just imagine the heartbreak that took place in this in this dad in this man, in seeing this take place in in his son. Um, you know, my my dad married my mom when I was uh, almost five. When I was a little bit older, we were at our boathouse. Um, they bought a they bought a, a boat dock that had a boathouse on it, and uh, it's a really strange thing. Um, 
uh, a, a big wind came. It's right where on Gunnersville near the, near the bridge where the tornado came through like last year or two years ago. Same little pathway right there. Buck Island's the name of it. And it came and just, but it was when a tornado, just a big wind came and picked the whole boathouse off and threw it about 20 feet up into, into the water. And so we rebuilt the thing. Uh, and, and I remember that mom went inside. So it's just this little boathouse and said, Dave, I'm going to change into my bathing suit. You guard the door so nobody comes in. And so I'm like, yeah, I got it, Mom. All right? So I, I'm boxing out. And uh, I got the door. Well, my dad, he, he walks up, and, uh, and he's going for the door. And I said, Dad, I can't let you in there. Mom's changing. Well, so I'm, I'm like this. Well, he just grabbed my arm and threw me like a Frisbee, flung me out in, into, the, into the water. And, um, I mean, really, I, I wish that I could have seen it. I wasn't very happy about it at the time. It, it didn't edify me, but I think it's awesome now, you know. I would have done the very same thing if one of my boys was keeping me out uh, from, from my wife, you know, for whatever reason, especially if she's changing, you know. Um, so flung me, flung me into the water. And, but the thing was is that he's saying that with, with his son, it was commonplace that this demon would throw him in the water to, to try to drown him or torture him, throw him into the fire. Guys, there is a very real enemy that wants to steal, kill, and destroy you. And whatever kind of family you have, he wants to destroy it. Whatever integrity, character, whatever name you have, he wants to destroy you. All right? And he doesn't have to possess you. And I don't believe that Christians can be inhabited, inhabited by demons. I believe we get oppressed and um, tons of temptation. But with the Holy Spirit living inside, they, you, can't, you can't fit fit an evil spirit in where the Holy Spirit is. Um, but um, lost my train of thought there. Um, so dad knew that it was a demon that was that was in his son. Uh, it certainly presumes a spiritual world worldview that allows for spirits and spiritual oppression and and um, you know I I'd assumed that this dad was an unbeliever for years in reading this. It's not clear whether he was a believer or an unbeliever, but now I suspect that he was a believer. Not sure, not clear, but I suspect that he was. It's perhaps he'd already become a follower of Jesus. And so coming to the disciples, they couldn't help his son, and his faith in Jesus, and Jesus' movement was shaken as a result. Because the leader couldn't help. And, and honestly, that sounds like you and me. You know, feel like God's let you down. A leader, a Christian leader, has let you down. A Christian friend disappoints you. We need, we've got a need and the church doesn't walk with us. You get past the honeymoon stage in a church, you know, and everybody does. And, and uh, you come in, it's like, man, oh wow, this finally found the perfect church. And find out there's warts there, just like everywhere else. And everybody... You know, they stink there as well and, and um, got difficulties. And as a result, we lose our, our faith in God Himself. We doubt Him. We doubt Him as a result of hard circumstances, hard persecution. And when people let us, let us down, this is what happens. And, um, I mean, the guy said, the guy said to him, you know, uh, um, I'm sorry, Jesus said to him, you know, he said, if you can, 
All things are possible for the one who believes. The one who believes. Now, here's where I, I want to point something out that's very important to you. Um, some of y'all, you, you need to understand something about Jesus. Um, you need to understand that completely God, complete deity, but you, you don't really know how to grapple with the, the humanity side of Him. Um, ultimately, Jesus is the hero because He had faith in His dad in this. Okay, The reason why He was healed was because he went to his father. And we'll see, he prays in a minute. He goes to his father. He's the example for us that when we're faithless, we look to Jesus. Some of y'all, you don't, you don't know yet that Jesus was the, he really was the, the, the first and ultimate Christian because, he, I mean, he was that second Adam. First Adam screwed things up. He was here to make things right. He was here to walk out what life could be to the glory of God through the power of the Holy Spirit. The power of the Holy Spirit through His humanity, helping Him to know the will of His Father and pressing forward. And so He, he was the, the hero that was, that was in this. All right. Um, now verse 24, let's press forward. Immediately the father of the child cried out and said, I believe, help my unbelief. Help my unbelief. Um, Charles Spurgeon said here, it's very noticeable that he does not say, Lord, I believe, help my child. Nor does he say, Lord, I believe, now cast the, the devil out of my boy. Not at all. He perceives that his own belief was harder to overcome than the devil. And that to, and that to heal him of his spiritual disease was a more needful work than even to heal his child of the sad malady under which he labored. Did y'all catch that? Here's what, here's what Spurgeon was saying, and I, I believe this is right. He's saying that as horrible, how deplorable as it was, of a demon infesting a child, that the unbelief of us is a harder thing to overcome. It is a much, it's a bigger thing that needs to be demolished and to be brought down. The, the, the whole title of this series, as we go through Mark, the whole book, it's called Repent and Believe the Gospel. That's what Jesus said in Mark, uh, what's recorded in Mark 1.15. As He told people, He preached the Gospel. He said, Repent and believe in the Gospel. That what we are to do is we're to say, God, I don't believe. I believe, but there's so much that I don't believe, God. I, but I I turn away from that once again. I turn away from my unbelief. I see it again. I confess it to you. And now I turn away. I turn to you. I say, God, I, here's where I don't believe. Help me to believe. Change me. Do a work within me. Um, Spurgeon, uh, another place, ended up saying, faith and unbelief are both striving for mastery in our life. All right, As a Christian, that's what's going on. That, that these are, these, this is a battle going on within your soul between faith and unbelief, between trust and doubt. It's not evil to doubt. Some of y'all, don't, don't receive this as, as, a, as a, a, a weapon today because you doubt about things. We all doubt. We all have our unbelief. What we want to do though is we want to recognize when we don't believe and turn away from it. 
be able to say, God, I see where I don't believe. And I can't change it. Please change me. Do you see what I'm, what I'm saying? You can't be the answer. You can't even rescue yourself and fix your unbelief. Just turn to Jesus. Confess, admit, repent. That is the life of a Christian. I grew up, and many of y'all grew up in, in churches where the Christian life is find out where you're a sin, stop sinning and do better. That is not the Christian life. That is the Christ life. That is what Jesus does with us. But you can't do that. What we can do is acknowledge, note when you don't believe. Turn away from it and just say, God, you got to do it. you got to help me with my belief. I just lean upon you. I trust, I trust you. Verse 25. When Jesus saw that the crowd came running together, He rebuked the unclean spirit, saying, You mute and deaf spirit, I command you, come out of him and never enter him again. Um, Jesus did some things with this with this demon. And I'll explain again a little bit more. He named the demonic stronghold with there. I I believe that what he was he was doing is What's modeled for us would be what's called the gift of discernment. Discerning spirits, um, as Scripture would call it. Uh, and some of you, God has given you that, or God will give you that, to where you're going to have a sensitivity to know when things are more of, of the flesh or more of the spirit, when things certainly are coming from the enemy. And you're needed. You're needed in your journey group. You're needed in your family. You're needed in, in this church to be able to help to identify things like that. Um, and it's, I mean, for many of us, we're just like, oh, that's, that's really weird. It is. It is weird. The whole, a child having a demon in him is a very weird thing. We must be people that we don't just stick our head in the sand and just say, well, if I just pretend that the world is not that broken, then I'll be okay. It doesn't work that way. We need to be able to open our eyes and say, God, this world is, it really is hell on earth. God, would you manifest your gifts and put them within your body so that we can be as healthy as possible? Uh, it's incredibly encouraging that he said, come out and never come back again. Um, this boy was then off limits, at least to that demon or demons. Um, I think that's, I mean, that's, that's, not a, that's not a prescription to say that if you do it right, if you pray it right, that whatever it is that somebody's being freed of, that they'll never slip back into it. That's not what's being taught here, but it is showing that God has the complete power to do that. Some of y'all, you know, with some of the addictions that you've had in your life, you've got, you've got a testimony that says, you know what, man, it took, it's taken years and years. But some, it, God, God just kind of just threw on a, a switch, all right? And, and listen, it, if you still struggle and, you know, with, with a certain thing, it's not that you're a less of a Christian than somebody else. Now, I'm not saying compromise and just it's okay or just continue to dive into sin. That's not, that's not okay. But, but the way that God works in some people, it's, it's different. But I would say this is a great way to pray for one another. It's a great way to define your faith before God. To say, God, you are, you're able to not only take it away, but to keep them from ever having this again. Man, pray that way over one another. 
All right, let's hit this last section here. After crying out and convulsing him terribly, it came out, and the boy was like a corpse, so that most of them said, He is dead. But Jesus took him by the hand and lifted him up, and he arose. And when he entered the house, his disciples asked him privately, Why could we not cast it out? And he said to them, This kind cannot be driven out by anything but prayer. Um, let's just unpack a little bit from verse 28. Um, this whole, why couldn't we? Why couldn't we do this? Um, this is a question maybe phrased a different way, maybe felt a different way. It happens in our lives. Kind of like, God, why, why, why didn't it work when I prayed for mom and her cancer? Why didn't it, why didn't it happen with, you know, with, with this situation, this situation? Why, why, why couldn't, why couldn't we do this, God? Um, And the thing is, is that in, in the middle of all of that, and when they're asking why couldn't we, there really is a very potent but simple answer that God, that Jesus gave to them. And he said, it's because you did not pray. You didn't pray. I just wonder how many important portions of your life does this apply to? There are many gifted and influential people here in our small church. Warning. This text is for you. It's very easy for you to tackle tasks and to take hills, but to do it in your own strength. You got plenty of confidence. You got young swagger. So you know what? I, I got it. And there's no prayer. But you're just like, you know, you just you can coast, you can do it on your own. Listen to me. Listen to me. When I don't pray, I'm basically saying I am self reliant. When you don't pray, you're saying, I am self-reliant. That You're saying, I'm okay, God. I've got this one. God's good enough to teach us. And how does He teach us? Primarily through failure. These guys had a big fail in the middle of this. They, we fall flat on our face. We hit the low ceiling of our achievement. We're, we're humbled by our lack of greatness that that we thought. And, and by the way, guys, this is not a curse for God to allow us to fail. is actually a blessing that He wants us to fall on our face to know we can't do it on our own. He loves us enough to let us fall on our face. He loves us enough to reveal our lack so that His greatness will shine. There's, uh, I don't have time to unpack in verse 29 where it talks about this kind. Talking about the, the demon or demons there. This kind of demon. Um, but uh, if you want to take out, check out uh, Wayne Grudem's Systematic Theology, chapters 19 and 20 on angels, Satan and demons. Uh, talks more about that, but it certainly looks as if there are either different kinds of demons or uh, demons... They have different levels of power or, or both. Um, let, me just, let me just give you guys some, con, some takeaways uh, as we kind of conclude this time. Um, first of all, there's two powerful things said from this man to Jesus that teaches us about prayer and, and your needs and my needs. First of all, he said, help my unbelief. All right? That should be a prayer that we pray, that we say, God, I believe 
help my unbelief. Meet me where I'm at. Second, he said, have compassion on us and help us. That should be consistently in your prayers. So just say, God, I, I, I ask on, on the basis of your mercy, have compassion on us and please help us in this. Um, now, the life of a Christian is one of admitting that I believe, but help my unbelief. You guys can be free to know that you can stop trying to prove your greatness to others or to self. And certainly stop trying to do that with, with Christ. And pray, God, I believe and I don't believe. Believe. Change me. Let's pray. God, um, I, I thank You that You're the hero of the story. I thank You, Lord, that You look at when... Uh, when your disciples aren't perfect, when they have authority and they don't use it correctly, when they have influence or gifts and talents, they do it in their own strength, that God, in the middle of all of that, when we don't have enough faith or others don't have enough faith, that Jesus, You've got all the faith. Holy Spirit, You've got all that we need. So we just turn to You. When we fail, we're reminded that that You basically, God, are saying, this is why I came. How long, do I, how long will I deal with you and bear with you? Always. How long will I be with you? Always. Thank you for the great news, God, that when we fail, that you're there. And may we be strengthened by it, Father, that we desire to be more of a people of faith, trusting you, God, that in the arenas that we're at, that we would point to you as our hero, God. And opportunities, Father, to serve the poor, and the needy and the helpless, God, that, that we would jump at those opportunities that You give us, Father. Opportunities You give us to speak about You and to tell people about the death, burial, and resurrection of Christ. That You would help us, God, then, that even as this boy was freed, and he could speak, God, that we would also be freed, and that we would speak forth the greatness about who You are. God, change us, transform us. Even somebody in here or listening to this in the future that they at this point would repent and believe for the first time. To say, Jesus, I can't be my own Savior. Save me. I, I repent of my sin and I turn to You. I place my faith in You, God. And help us all, help us all to lean upon You as well. In Jesus' name, Amen.